Welcome to uh, Advocates for Truth. Uh, we have Neil Harden uh, remote. How are you, Neil? Good. Glad to be here. And Bailey's here in the in the office in the studio with me, um, guys. I, I want to today. We're talking about um, a couple things. Uh, really, we want to talk about this pandemic, uh, but I want to bring an update. Yesterday, we had a hearing uh, with regard to Calvary Chapel San Jose and Pastor Mike McClure. Um, was uh, back in court along with his youth pastor, Carson Atherley, and the county of San Jose's uh, seeking to hold them in contempt of court. Uh, the, uh, the contempt fines were in excess of $100,000 would be imposed against the church. The, uh, already, the county has issued fines outside of court. Uh, they have this administrative ability to just levy fines on a daily basis, and uh, basically for uh, anyone who's violating their orders. So if uh, you're walking around and you don't have a mask in town, you can get fined. Um, if you're not complying with every health order, you can get fined. So the church uh, has been meeting indoors and doing so, uh, asserting their constitutional liberties. And in that $5,000 fine, $5,000 daily fines have been levied against the church. The church is now in excess of, I believe it's you know close to 1.8 million dollars in fines that they've been uh, they've been charged with. Now, um, there's so many legal maneuvering uh, legal maneuvers that are going on. We have a case in federal court. We have a case in state court. We have two. Uh, uh, we filed three appeals in state court. Uh, it is uh, there's an administrative appeal that we have in a, in a second superior court case. It's so complicated and so convoluted. Um, the county's really going after this church, and it is totally unreasonable. Uh, and a big part of it is what I heard yesterday was uh, the the director of the health department in the county of San Jose is afraid. She's just. Afraid. This from this comes from uh, someone I know who, um, who has contact with her, and and that's kind of what we're going to talk about today is being afraid of the coronavirus. Now, um, that leads me to uh, you know the fact that the 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 health officer, Doctor Cody, uh, who I'm told is a good person, and, and asked, well, why is she doing this? And I'm told through, through secondary sources, it's fear. She's just afraid. And so, you know, I, I look at that and I think, for us Christians, you know, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of sound mind. And, and I think those are such important, that's a, such an important scripture for us to be thinking about right now. And so I'm going to, here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to give a couple uh, quotes, and, and I, I, I used these in court in my closing arguments yesterday, and uh, I, I, I was trying to get the judge's emotional side, trying to, trying to get his compassionate side so he can understand, and the good news is this, is that this judge really understood and heard and began to feel, I think, the, the received kind of, I don't know, Mike? Pastor Mike really spoke to him, I believe, and he understands, and he says, I, I understand you're genuine. I have to enforce the law, though. But here's some of the things that I quoted to the court. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of these statistics go back to actually June. According to the Census Bureau in June, 
The COVID-19 pandemic had resulted in one-third of Americans showing signs of clinical anxiety or depression. That's not just, I wake up and I'm not feeling you know, great. It's clinical anxiety or depression. Then uh, I, I quoted the judge that there's a think, tr- a think tank known as the Wellbeing Trust who studied uh, suicide in relation to uh, various recessions and unemployment and, and really taking the Great Recession from 2007, 8, 9, that era, they looked at this and they estimated that there could be anywhere from a minimum of 75,000 up to about 150,000 suicides just from unemployment alone. Um, and then, according to CNN, back in uh, March, or excuse me, this was reported, I believe it was in June, uh, but... Uh, they said that the, the, the Disaster Distress Helpline, a federal crisis hotline, saw an increase of 891% in calls for help in March of 2020. And that's the suicide hotline, an, eight, an increase of 891% more than March of 2019. So March of 2020, 891% increase. And then uh, lastly, in, in May 6, 2020, uh, JAMA Psychiatry, that's a kind of a widely known uh, uh, reporter of studies for medical studies, found that religious service attendance is associated with a lower risk of death from despair. There's so many studies like that that talk about people who go to church generally are more healthy, they're happier, etc. So with all that said, we're faced, you know, in the midst of this coronavirus, we're, we're looking at this continuing lockdown in California, um, in the sometimes I think it's like the Eastern Bloc of Germany, <laughs> Eastern East Eastern side of, of uh, Berlin, um, and uh, you know here we are. It's it's getting crazy, and and we're still hearing about a lot of people who have fear and anxiety about what's happening. So I want to throw it out to you guys. Um, how should we be thinking about? What, how should we be looking at the coronavirus today? Bailey, you first. Yeah, definitely. I think probably my first thought when doing this is we as Christians, we want to be focused on other people. We want to be not only, as the Bible says, not only looking out for the interests of ourselves, but also for those around us. And I think a lot of times, you know, we get the rhetoric of, well, we should be enforcing these lockdowns because we're looking out for other people. And that's a really easy line to follow. But when we're confronted with all of this data, it's important to look at what the interests and needs of others actually are and instead of imposing them on them. So we might say, oh, well, coronavirus is dangerous to you. And they're going, I'm, you know, I'm suicidal. This is really important. Like, we need to talk about this. And that's when we need to take on listening <laughs> and really looking out for their needs. What's some of the, what's some of the data that you found? Oh, so there's a lot of... Um, risks going on right now, and not only risks, but things that have already increased. Um, but suicide is has been talked about. It's obviously um, going up. But have you found any studies? It, this is one of the hard things: is that um, you know when you look at a study for like how many people committed suicide and sometimes death statistics. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times, what happens, in my understanding, is they get reported by a county co- coroner's office. And they get reported up to, uh, I, I don't know if it's a Census Bureau or whoever it is, but it takes them sometimes a year 
before that data is available and released. But have you found anything on suicide in particular, other than some of the things that I already mentioned? Yeah, definitely. In, in the United States, it's been a little harder to find the exact numbers because that is the way that we do things here. But um, in other countries, they're much more on top of it, like Japan, because they have a history of suicide being very high in the country of Japan. They're very on top of these statistics. And um, CNN reported that in the month of October, Japan lost more people to suicide in that one month than they had in the entire pandemic um, from coronavirus. So it really shows you that in Japan, suicide was a much more crucial problem that yeah. needed to be addressed as far as <coughs> deaths go. Um, but India is facing a lot of similar problems. I mean, just across the world, we're, we're dealing with suicides, uh, suicide numbers increasing dramatically. What other, what other secondary effects are you... Um, what have, what have you found? What kind of, you know, you looked at this because you, you wrote an article, right? Yeah. So it's on our website at uh, advocatesfortruth.com. Yeah. So I kind of had to end up grouping them because there were so many different risks going on. Um, but I grouped them into disease, which is other diseases other than the coronavirus that are going up. So in, um, in countries like Afghanistan, we're seeing um, places where there's polio now, and they haven't had polio for decades and they're getting polio because immunization efforts have been halted completely because of coronavirus so um so that's one major concern hiv as well is on the increase um starvation is in the united states starvation has increased significantly i think it's about the um food insecure families have tripled since the pandemic so that's just the united states alone um, what, what about in starvation? So let's, one of the things that, that, that strikes me is I, I you know, so many of my friends know we've got, um, uh, my family, we've, we've taken in kids from, uh, over the border who came from Central America. They were, they crossed the border illegally. Their parents, when they were separated, uh, you know, they, they weren't in cages. They were staying in, in my house. Some of them, right. We've had, we've had, we took them in, we took them to Disneyland, we, you know, had so much fun with them, and, and we've been able to maintain relationships with, um, with a couple of them, and um, so my heart really goes out to uh, some of the kids, one, one of the little girls uh, who was sent back to Guatemala in the mountains, and, um, you know, that whole immigration issue is something that we, you know, we can all talk about uh, from a Christian perspective another day, but um, you know, we just want to love on them, and we did. And my heart breaks is because there's a study from the World Health Organization, right, about starvation in, in, in the third world. Yeah, so the World um, Health Organization actually estimated that about 10,000 children additionally were going to die from malnutrition per month because of coronavirus. So that, I mean, just in terms of countries that are already at risk for starvation mm-hmm. that's that's where we're seeing most of these these potential deaths happening um, but, and, and that's that's additional so we already have we already have kids around the world who are who are dying from starvation absolutely now because of the lockdowns they're not getting international aid the churches uh, are not able to go down like we wanted to my my, my uh, kids and I we were going to be headed down to Honduras we started a Here's a shameless plug. We started a separate ministry called Rooted International. Um, and I think it's rootedinternational.com. 
And um, anyway, so we started that because we want to help kids in Central America. But we wanted to go down in, uh, in December, but we, we couldn't because of the lockdowns. And, and, of course, if we went down, uh, we would have taken things and helped and provided aid. When, when you and I have been to Haiti so many times together, Bailey, we, you go and, and, I mean, half of the plane at least headed into Port-au-Prince are full of missionaries, are, are full of people going to Haiti to go down to provide support, to provide education, learning, food, um, yeah. finances. I'm just not sure, yeah, that we really realize how how many people are traveling to do missionary work all the time. Like, the average person may not recognize that a lot of countries are receiving 70% of their health care and aid from um, first world countries, countries like the United States, who are now not sending missionaries, not sending health care workers, humanitarian aid. So Haiti Endowment Fund, uh, this is the ministry that, that we've been to Haiti uh, with so many times, our friends, the Bithers. Um, and, and, and they're, they'll three times, four times a year, they'll send medical missions and they send doctors, nurses, and, and a team. And they'll go out into the, they'll go out to the various churches in, in the bush and they, they will see five to 10,000 patients every time they go, but they're not able to go because of the travel restrictions. Yeah. So a lot of people in those countries are wholly dependent on that form of health care. And so just like in that case, immunizations that they may be providing are not happening at all. Um, so that means young children are getting polio, HIV, where it could have easily been prevented. And these are this is a demographic that's really not at risk for coronavirus. Yeah. Um, you know, small children. We haven't really seen a lot of deaths in that age group. So um, we kind of have to weigh that when we're looking at the actual statistics is what what's more dangerous to them right now. It almost feels, I, I, I hate, well, it, it almost feels to some degree like we're in the Hunger Games and, and we are in the capital and we're sitting here and there's a problem here and in the Western world, but we're ignoring what's happening across the world uh, to uh, these kids, and and it breaks my heart because one of our little girls is up in the mountains of Guatemala, and I hope she's still alive. And I and I don't know, but she lived with us for uh, four months approximately. And man, we would have taken her in forever if we if we could have. Yeah, uh, and and girls are being disproportionately affected by this. Girls and women, but um, young girls especially. I mean, the um, one study estimated that about 2.5 million more girls are at risk for child marriage because of this, and that there's a, a lot of children that are also not going to be returning to school, end up getting married because they wow. they didn't have access to those um, education during this time. Do you have anything to add as to what's happening here in the United States? I, I would say probably my biggest... Um, concern and one of the most shocking statistics that I found in the United States was a CDC survey from June that found that 25% of young adults had seriously contemplated suicide in the last 30 days. That's here in the United States. That's here in the United States. Yeah, and, and you hear, you know, there was an article that just came out in um, Las Vegas that um, 18 kids in Clark County in their school district committed suicide from March, I believe it was uh, March to um, December. Yeah. 18 kids in one school district? I mean, yeah. that's just shocking. 
hey, Neil, uh, let's go to you. Um, tell me about, you know, your, uh, what do you think? And I mean, we've been talking here. Sorry, we, you, you've just been sitting there listening. You're our resident theologian. And uh, I want to know what you, you know, what do you think biblically? How should we be, how should we be looking at this? Yeah, I mean, we as Christians want to be pro-life in the holistic sense of the word. Um, so valuing life uh, all across the globe, valuing our own lives, you know, because we're all created in God's image. And that comes with like, we're all, we all have inestimable worth and value and God calls us to uh, treat our lives and others' lives as such. Um, but really when we're thinking about this, it comes down to a Christian view of risk assessment. You know, there's risk posed by the coronavirus and there's risk posed uh, by the lockdowns. And so we're, we need to try and find a balance which values uh, the lives of, you know, all our lives. Obviously we are called to love our neighbor and that means taking the appropriate precautions that uh, COVID-19 would have us do. But at the same time, we can't take so many precautions that we end up endangering more lives than we might otherwise uh, be, be saving from the precautions in the first place. So yeah, that, that requires a lot of wisdom. Like you said, Bob, we're not called to live in fear, but the Bible does call us to, be, to use wisdom and to use caution where appropriate. Um, ultimately, it's to value the lives uh, of others and to love our neighbor. Uh, you know, you just said something, and, and I can I can think of Proverbs. Uh, I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence and understanding. Mm-hmm. And, and it seems to some degree we've thrown the prudence out the window as, as a society. But, uh, Neil, what, um, you know, to me it almost seems as though we are sitting here in the capital of the Hunger Games and we are worshiping life. You know, we have... We have, to such a degree, we have people who are, who are being secluded in their homes. They're, they're staying home intentionally to protect their life. And, and, and life is just out the door. It's not really inside, inside their house often. It's, I don't know. It just seems to me that, that we, have, we have placed such a, an incredible emphasis on our heart pumping that we have forgot about what real life is. Yeah, I mean, and scripture talks about how life here on earth is but a mist. It's a, a vapor, you know, it's here one day and gone the next. Uh, at the same time, though, I, I, I don't want to, to make it seem like we don't care about life either, because life is precious, life is a gift, and God calls us to steward our lives for his glory and for his honor. At the same time, though, we can't avoid taking, we can't value our lives to such an extent that we don't take risks. Uh, in, in our lives. Um, so we, we need to, yeah, again, have that pro-life ethic and value and love our neighbors well, but it's trying to balance all these different risks that we see in society and especially dealing with the coronavirus. I mean, do you, do you think I'm, do you think I'm exaggerating it when I'm, when I'm talking about, it seems like we're worshiping we, and I say we generally just kind of as a society, uh, the government, you know, these lockdowns as though it's, it's worshiping life. Yeah, I do think some people are. I think some people also just fear death. And really, that's something that we have as Christians is hope that a lot of the world doesn't have. You know, for them, this life is all they think that they have. But we as Christians know that there's an eternal life awaiting for us after death. And so, you know, that that allows us to live our lives here on earth with meaning, with purpose, to love our neighbors well, but also to not fear death. 
to know that Jesus conquered death and that we don't have to fear what comes after that. Uh, so yeah, there's definitely some of that going around. Uh, but there's, I think it's a, a balance between also fear, but also trying to, uh, the uncertainty around how to love our neighbors well is, tr- is probably the other factor there. Yeah, love your neighbor as yourself. And, and a lot's been said about you're not loving. If, if, if you want to go outside and you're not willing to stay home and be on lockdown, you're not loving your neighbor. Is that true? I mean, I would say it depends on the situation. Like, I'm here remote because I came into contact with someone earlier this week that tested positive for COVID-19, and I'm just trying to be wise, exercise caution, you know, even though I feel fine. Uh, but I just, I want to protect you guys. I want to protect anyone else I might come into contact with who might be more at risk. Like I, an acquaintance of mine just actually died this, uh, like a week or two ago. He's a guy my age, didn't have any underlying health conditions that I'm aware of, but he passed away from COVID-19. Wow. So it's like the, the threat is real. Um, so we don't want to sound dismissive of that or be dismissive of the risk that it poses. But at the same time, like all the stuff that Bailey's been talking about, we have to realize that there are other risks that come along with these shutdowns that come along with not being able to meet together and have human interaction. Like God created us to be in community with one another. And that's like an essential part of who we are. And when we don't have that, it just things go wrong, like suicide and mental health issues. So yeah, it's just using wisdom. Also our article really focuses on, you know, suicide, violence, disease, how are we supposed to balance all of these things with, you know, a biblical worldview on the issue of coronavirus? Obviously, you, there are risks with coronavirus. There are risks with lockdowns. What, is, what does that mean for us as Christians? Yeah, I, I think this is nicely summarized by Philippians one twenty one, where Paul says, For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, Paul had that eternal perspective in mind where if he did die, you know, he knew he was going to be with the Lord. Uh, But at the same time, this shouldn't cause us to disregard our lives here on earth or to take unnecessary risks. Like to live is to live for Christ. And that means loving our our neighbor. That means, you know, valuing and cherishing the lives of others. Uh, Like there's a proverb uh, 27, 12, which says the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. So there's a, a healthy balance in this equation where, you know, we obviously we can't avoid all risk in this life. Uh, you know, coronavirus will pose some risk, but like we've been talking about, um, there are other risks uh, involved with, you know, not being in fellowship with other people, with uh, shutting down our economy. And, you know, it's trying to use wisdom, as the Bible calls us to, to use prudence, to use understanding uh, in order to try and balance all these different risks that we're facing. Yeah, we definitely just don't know right now everything that's going to be coming up against us from coronavirus, from, you know, lockdown measures. It could go either way on both. I would say, you know, walk in love. That's kind of the the general principle is to walk in love. If the loving thing is for you to wear your mask around someone who might be more cautious, then I would do that. You know, it's it's a, it's a mask. It's a piece of, piece of cloth over your mouth. It's not the end of the world if you have to wear one. Um, or, you know, if uh, loving your neighbor means actually going to church in person to see people, you know, then, then do that. You know, it, it's 
it's not going to be a one size fits all equation for everyone. You know, it's going to be dependent on your particular situation, your particular church, your particular community, even your particular state. There's uh, like Bob mentioned, there's uh, different rules for different states. Um, so, you know, we want to be submissive to the government as much as we can, but also obey God's word that commands us to meet and not neglect fellowshipping with one another. Um, but I think above all, we just need to walk in love and to be gracious with those whose opinions might be different from ours, you know, dif different Christians, uh, you know, you can look at that in Romans 14, but our consciences will come down in different um, places on some issues where scripture is not explicitly clear on one thing or another. And so we need to be able to uh, give grace to one another for when our opinions differ um, and to as Romans 14 talks about, like not judge one another if our opinions have to, have to differ. Like if someone has, it feels more freedom to uh, meet in person or to be a little bit looser with the coronavirus restrictions, then you know Romans 14 says not to judge them. But similarly, you know those who have a greater degree of freedom in their conscience shouldn't look down on those who have a stricter conscience. I mean, our faith is constantly being tested uh, by one thing or another. I mean, coronavirus is testing our faith and how we you know obviously we were having all these articles and podcasts and everything because it's not exactly clear what we should be doing um i i don't think we should use uh, whether we meet in person or not or any of these other uh political questions or even just um i, I don't think we, the coronavirus should be a litmus test for whether you know you're genuinely a, a christian or not or whether you're being obedient to God or not. Uh, ultimately, like, like Romans 14 talks about, it's before God that we will stand or, or fall, and it's to him that we're going to be giving an account. Um, so I would say, you know, continue to pray, continue to seek the spirit and his wisdom, and be obedient to where he's leading you. Uh, ultimately, it's we're going to be accountable to Christ and give an answer for what we've done, for what we've said. And so we need to be able to follow, be in tune with the spirit and also obey where he comes calls us to go so this underlying principle needs to be unified even when our responses vary and i think that just goes to show you know christians can come to different conclusions on these uh responses and really you know we can both be justified before the lord it's our faith is not dependent on what conclusion we come to about coronavirus yeah i think definitely as we respond my hope in writing this article and my heart in writing this article was really just to give us the information that we needed to respond. Because even from my own perspective, as I was thinking about lockdowns, it seemed like such a straightforward answer um, to either, you know, lock down for safety or you're not scared and you don't need to lock down. But really what we're looking at is the effects of lockdown versus the effects of coronavirus. And so it kind of changed my perspective and helped me to see other people's sides more, uh, more compassionately. And I think to respond to other people with compassion in a way that actually accounts for their needs. Mm -hmm. In other words, loving your neighbor. Yes. <laughs> you know, it was amazing when I was in court yesterday. Uh, you talk about ecclesia. That's the gathering together of the saints. That's in Hebrews 10. Uh, don't forsake the gathering of the brethren. And um, I was trying to explain to the judge, I, I actually even said, Your Honor, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but um, when you come together, when Christians come together 
in worship to God, in fellowship, there is something that is really unspeakable. It's uh, it's it's sometimes it's hard it's hard to explain to someone who is not a Christian, who um, it, it's it, it's this spiritual healing, and, and I explained it in that fashion. I said, you know, there are people who have such anxiety that are. Um, that, that at times would rather be dead than dealing with the mental anxiety that they're dealing with. Um, I mean, that leads to suicide, of course. And there are so many people who, who have that. You know, numbers I've heard, and I don't have this, you know, I can't cite to the statistic right now that, as to where it came from, but I'm told that 50% of, of people at some point in time in their lifetime are going to deal with some sort of clinical anxiety, depression, mental health. Um, that is a lot of people. And, and I can know personally, I, you know, I got a mental health problem. <laughs> so I need that fellowship. I need to get back into church where I'm sitting shoulder to shoulder with, uh, with other Christians, raising my hands in worship to God, and, and experiencing the music, the tones, the sound, the, the singing, the harmony um, in worship to God. It's, uh, we're going to be doing it in heaven for, for years to come. If we're in debt, you know, there must be something incredibly great about it um, because uh, it works here on earth. So can't wait to see what's going to happen in heaven one day. Well, hey, I, I think we have to uh, we have to wrap it up because I got to go go get on a telephone call. So hey, Neil, um, be safe and thanks for uh, thanks for loving us. You know, really and truly and and being considerate. Um, and uh, we'll see you guys next time.